0: Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. All right, well, we are glad that you are here this morning. I want to welcome anybody who might be new today out of all the great churches in our area. Uh, you are here, and that uh, means a lot to us, so we hope that you are blessed By being with us today, my name is Nicky McCray. I'm the lead pastor here and look forward to sharing with you the Word of God today. But before we do that, I want to give you an update. If you were not here last week, uh, we did uh, vote on C.J. Simmons and his wife, Rosanna, to uh, be our interim worship leader over here for the Contemporary Service. And so we've added them to our leadership team, and let's just give them a hand. when They are doing a great job. We're excited about what God is going to do through their ministry with us over these next few days. We also uh, voted to table the motion on the children's building glass enclosure until we could gather more information on the total cost for the entire project in addition to the glass enclosure. As soon as we get that information, we will certainly be coming back to the church with that. And then I want to personally invite those of you who uh, may have been attending a while, or you might even be here for the very first time today, but this afternoon at five o'clock, we have our Discover class, okay? And that's our class me- for membership. You don't have to join by attending the class. It just gives you an opportunity to learn a little bit more about our church, for us to learn a little bit more about each other. And then you have the option at the end of the class, as to whether you want to become a member or not. And again, that's at 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock this afternoon, and we do have child care, if you need it, up through the fifth grade. So if you are new this morning, I know we do have several guests, and again, thank you for being here. We are in a doctrinal series called Unstoppable, where we've been going through the book of Acts, and we started in chapter 1. Today we're going to be in Acts 15, right? We've been looking at this global movement of the early church that basically has become unstoppable even to this day. Because we all know that a lot of things that start well, they don't always finish well, right? We call them fads, all right? Fads are things that come and go, including a lot of religions. They come and they have gone. So how do you explain the Christian faith enduring all of these years? Because, I mean, when you look at who God picked to take the gospel to the whole world... It was the least likely group of people that you would have picked uh, when you really look at them because they, they had no economic power. They had no political power. They had no education. From all looks of things, they were basically nobodies, right? But in just a few short decades, that group of people had taken the gospel of Jesus Christ and the story of Jesus to the whole entire known world at that time. And we're still living in the wake of that movement that they started even today. So Acts is this record of the unstoppable expansion of this Jesus, Jesus movement. And it also reveals this unstoppable supernatural power that he gave to his followers. That we too still have that power today. Because you know what? God is still with us today. And it is still an unstoppable supernatural movement that is taking place with the church today. Acts also emphasizes the bedrock message of the resurrection. Jesus Christ being risen from the dead. Because, see, it's hard to intimidate a group of people that aren't afraid to die, right? And that's why they were able to so boldly take the message of Jesus throughout the world, even to today. And as we've seen most recently, they had one other thing that kept this fad from just fizzling out. And it was that they had a message that couldn't be stopped by race, it was a message that could not be stopped by ethnicity. And it was a message that could not be stopped by politics. It couldn't even be stopped by sin and the evil that existed in the world. Because they preached a message of unstoppable grace. And that's what we're talking about today. They preached this message of unstoppable grace, but you know what? It almost didn't happen. It almost didn't happen. The Christian movement almost never got started. So let's look at why this didn't just die out as a fad, but it became a movement that's still going on today. Chapter 15, verse 1. It says, While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, Unless you are circumcised, as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. That was their message. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and the elders about this question. I'd have loved to have been a fly on a camel for that trip. You see, Paul would compromise where he could. Remember, he wrote letters to churches saying, Hey, don't fight over eating meat that's been offered up to idols. It's not going to kill you, it's not going to send you to hell. It's all right, don't worry about it. There's bigger stuff. He'd say, don't fight over which days are the holy days. Let your own conscience figure that out. You just obey your own conscience. It'll be all right. So he compromised where he could, but he would not compromise on this one thing. It's, the Bible says that he disagreed and argued vehemently. Now, I don't know about you. But I don't run around using that word a lot. And I don't hear y'all using it a whole lot either. I had to work on how to pronounce it correctly. All right? And, and I Googled it and listened to it several times. So I hope, I hope Mr. Google's right. But anyway, that's what he did. And it means that he argued forcefully and with very intense emotions. Okay? He didn't just argue about it a little bit. I mean, he, he laid into it. All right? See, Paul understood the implications for world missions if he gave in on this. So he just was not going to do it. Because these people, they weren't just arguing this message in Antioch. They were going behind Paul and all the other disciples. Everywhere they would go preaching the true gospel, they would go behind them and go, look guys, y'all still aren't Christians yet if you haven't been circumcised. Going right behind them. So Paul says to Barmas, look, we have got to get everybody on the same page here. I mean, what is our gospel? And so they went down to Jerusalem and they had the most important church council meeting Ever, verse 4, when they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and the elders. They reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers that had become Christians, they were Christians, but some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, the Gentile converts, they must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. Now, if you hadn't been with us the whole time through this series... We're beginning to see a trend, right? We're beginning to see a pattern. Every time the disciples and the apostles would come back and report on the great things that God was doing, somebody was sitting around trying to throw cold water on their message and complaining how wrong they were about what they were doing. And so now it had risen to just beyond a few little things to now it had become a big theological question, and that is exactly what is required to become a Christian. And so if you're taking notes, how to be saved has been debated in the church since the beginning of the church. And it's still being debated today. Is Jesus alone enough? The question isn't, can a Gentile be a Christian? It's, can you be a Christian without becoming a Jew? That was the real question. Is Jesus alone enough, or do you have to have Jesus plus Moses? See, Paul understood their struggle with this. He'd raising he had been raised in that. He understood the Jewish mindset because he was raised to be the same way. But he also understood the impact and the implications of this mindset on world missions. I mean, just imagine telling someone today, okay? Before you can come to our church, and you're welcome to come to our church, but before you come, you've got to have some surgery, Okay? We know what's going to happen. Dad's dropping Mom and the kids off in the parking lot, going to Waffle House, and about two hours later just to be on the safe side coming back to get them. Right? And so I know it doesn't sound like much, but don't miss this. Every time we add something to the gospel, we subtract from its outreach potential. See, those additions are what limit where the gospel can go. And so the church is facing the most important question in its history. And that is, what is required to be a Christian? And so Peter starts the debate off making his case from a historical viewpoint, right? Verse 7. At the meeting, after a long discussion, by the way, this is the first time ever Peter has waited a long time before opening his mouth, right? But he did, and then he stood and addressed them as follows. Brothers... You all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. He's reminding them about the Cornelius event that we studied back in chapters 10 and 11. And he's reminding us that God is the one who started all these things. We've been down this road before, guys. God orchestrated all of this. He's the one that gave the vision to me to go there. He's the one that gave Cornelius the vision to receive it. He's the one that baptized Cornelius in the Holy Spirit. God has already spoken on this matter, and he's made it clear about what matters and what he cares about. And it's not the state of the flesh. It's the state of the heart. That's what matters to God. Well, he sits down, and Paul takes up the case, and he makes it from the viewpoint of ministry. Verse 12. Everyone listen quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. So he's simply pointing out, look folks, if we have been preaching a bad gospel, the wrong gospel, and an inaccurate gospel all this time, then why is God blessing it? Why is God anointing it? Why are all these people getting healed? And why are all these people getting saved if it's the wrong gospel? He's saying, look folks, we judge the gospel by its fruit. And we're seeing a lot of fruit from the gospel we've been preaching. Not so much from yours. And so we need, I think it's a lesson in there, we need to be careful when we raise our eyebrows at churches that are reaching lost people and how they're going about it. We just need to be careful. I'm, I'm for letting God figure it out. So Peter argues from history. Paul argues from ministry. And then James comes along and he takes up the argument from prosely. And he's going to lay out a very, very important theological principle here, he's going to say, look, it's not the work of God if it doesn't line up with the Word of God. Verse 13, when they had finished, James stood and said, brothers, listen to me, Peter has told you about the time God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this conversion of Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. And then he goes on in the next few verses to quote from Amos talking about how this is proof of what's been going on with the conversion of these Gentiles to Christianity. It's all in exact agreement with the Word of God which all of you know you've, you've been reading it and studying it. You quote it since you were a child. You know this stuff. You know that God's heartbeat throughout all of the Scripture has been to redeem all of mankind. You know this. Isaiah said we were to be a light to the Gentiles. God said Jonah to save the Ninevites. And then you break it all the way down to Abraham, the call of Abraham. He says, I'm going to be blessing all the nations through you. James says it's always been right there in the Bible. You're just not seeing it in its fullness until right now. And so what is at stake here is the very essence of the gospel. That is, where we go, what do we tell people? Jesus only or Jesus mostly? And I think Peter nailed it in verse 11 where he said, We believe that we are all saved the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. And so at this most important church council meeting, it came to the conclusion, and this is actually the third point in your bulletin. We're going to come back to the second one in a minute. But here's what they came to the conclusion of. The church council made a decision that would shape the unstoppable grace of God moving forward by by deciding to leave Jesus alone, alone. Just leave Jesus alone, alone. See, the preaching of Jesus alone is not what's stopping the gospel and the work of God in the world today. It's what the church has too often done, and that's added to the preaching of Jesus that's what sets up barriers to keep people out of church and just like these Jews that we're studying today and wondering how they missed it we too can create barriers by the things that we try to add to the gospel and just like with these Jews it happens without us really noticing it, it really does a tradition gets established and we grow up with that tradition and so then we expect everybody else to grow up in that same tradition, right? that's how it works that's that's how life happens, right? And so then anything outside of our comfort zone, it becomes unacceptable to us. It's just wrong, right? Because it doesn't fit into our tradition. What we don't realize is that what is tradition and what is comfortable in one setting may be a total barrier in another setting. And folks, hear God today. Just because it's outside of our comfort zone doesn't make it outside of the gospel we need to get that, folks. Just because it's outside of our comfort zone doesn't make it outside of the gospel. You know why? God, I know, is pretty big. And He works with signs and wonders. And He does stuff I can't understand. And I can't explain it to you. So I'm not going to put God in a little box. See, I don't know about you. I struggled with this all my life. I became a Christian as a young teenager. So I started trying to figure out what the Bible taught, right? So I was dating this girl that uh, was from a different denomination. They believed that baptism was essential to your salvation. In other words, if you hadn't been baptized, then you're not really saved. So it made me study up on it. I got that figured out, and then I started dating a girl from a yet another different denomination where they believed that in order to prove that you were a Christian, you had to be able to speak in tongues. Yeah, that really threw me to studying. Okay? And so I came to the conclusion I needed to date and marry a Southern Baptist girl, and that's exactly what I did. (laughs) All right? And so that saved me from a lot of those struggles then. But you know what? There have been other struggles since that time in every single church that I have ministered in and have attended because each one have their own traditions. And each of those churches had their own set of expectations. And so, see, the mindset becomes, if people want to come to our church to hear the gospel, they need to come with an understanding of the expectations. And see, like those Jews, we don't see that people can't even get to the gospel because of all the barriers that we've got out there in front of them that are trying to get them to Jesus. That's why I think one of the most important verses in the New Testament is what James said in verse 19. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. He says, I get it though. I understand circumcision is a very important thing to you. I understand that it's part of your heritage. I understand it's a big part of the tradition that's been something that's Been there all of your life. I get it. You grew up with it. I understand. But you know what? It's just not the gospel. It's just not the gospel. It's only a barrier to keep people from getting to the gospel. And so the early church, they had to make a huge decision. And that is that the mission will always trump. It will always trump tradition. The mission will always trump tradition. Tradition will not stop the mission of the church. And so now for the mission of God to remain unstoppable, every church in every generation, including ours, we have to have the same courage to make that same decision. The church cannot make it difficult for people who are far from God to get close to Jesus. And you go, How do you, why are you even saying that? Why would we ever even possibly think of doing that? We do it all the time. And the only way we can keep from doing it is to keep grace in its rightful place. But it's challenging because we in the church as humans, there's that temptation to always just stop just a little short of grace. And here's, here's a couple of things I think we can learn from this. First one is this, and, and the words are actually opposite. I'm, I did the slide, I messed it up. I probably got a phone call or text BPM. Go ahead to that next slide. Because the first thing we want to learn is grace becomes unstoppable, not when the focus is on the insider to the outsider, but the reverse of that. Grace becomes unstoppable when we focus on the go back on the outsider instead of the insider. Okay? That's when grace becomes unstoppable. We've got to focus on the outsider. Instead of the insider. All right? And if you've come to our Discover membership class, you've heard that because we talk about it in that class. We actually look at the demographics of the people who are out there in states Statesboro looking for Jesus and looking for a church. We look at who they are. We look at uh, what their characteristics of that age group people are. We look at what they like, what they don't like. And we try to make it easy for them to come into the church to learn about Jesus so that they can become like Jesus. Right, And yet it's actually been verbalized in some of our church meetings. Well, we can't forget about the insiders, the people you know that we've already reached. And you know what? You're not wrong. You're exactly right. We can't forget about the insiders. Did we deal with that back in Acts chapter 6? Where they, the early church had to deal with overcoming the issue that came up about the widows feeling neglected. Look, it's going to happen. Insiders are important too. But they solved the problem. They fixed the problem. That's what we do. If if we as insiders, we have a problem, we fix the problem, right? But the key word here is the word focus. The mission of God is both evangelism and discipleship. But we have to focus on the outsiders because, you know what? You can't teach someone you haven't reached. And you can't disciple someone that's never gotten saved. And so we're challenged to remain focused on the things that will make it easier for the lost to find Jesus rather than creating barriers that keep them from seeing Jesus. And so it's a huge question to answer in each of your hearts today. And that is this. Does how I want church to be, does that trump how church needs to be in order to reach the lost? That's the question you have to answer in your heart. And look, I got to brag for just a minute. I got to brag on Eastern Heights. Because Eastern Heights, as they have made many, many, many changes over our years of existence, and we continue to make many decisions to keep Jesus alone the focus. Now, you need to be real careful about what I'm going to tell you to do next. But if you see somebody that you think might be around the age of 70 or over, that's why I say you better be careful here. But if you think they might be age 70 or over you need to thank them. You need to thank that group of people because they are the ones who have persevered through those changes over all these years to be where we are at today. Because, see, they get it. They understand grace. And they've made those changes. Second thing that happens, grace becomes unstoppable when we focus on on the outside over the inside. Now you see how I got confused myself when I was typing that out. When we focus on the outside over the inside. See, in their day, grace wasn't stopped by Pharisees who had become Christians. Just like in our day, grace isn't being stopped by Christians. Or Today, grace is being stopped by Christians who are trying to be Pharisees. That's what's going on today. We are trying to add our own stuff to the gospel. That's what's stopping the gospel today. We're, we're just trying to add stuff to it. And you know why we do that? It's because outside conformity is a lot easier than inside transformation. What I'm trying to say is, it's easier to keep a rule than it is to let Jesus rule your heart. But that's how we try to set up life, you know, where if I do this or I don't do that, then I'm a, I'm a more spiritual person than you are and I'm a better Christian than you are. So, what we end up doing, we, we create this barrier of unstoppable division among God's people. You know, I don't know of a church, maybe you do, I don't know of a single church and the followers of Jesus in that church that ever got mad and split up over Jesus. I do know of several churches and the followers of Jesus in those churches that got mad and split up over the rules and over traditions. It reminds me of a story that two judges, both of them got caught speeding and both were issued speeding tickets. So when they found out, they decided, well, you know, we can handle this between the two of us. So one judge tried the other the judge said, how do you plead? He said, well, I plead guilty. He said, hey, sentence rescinded. Charges dropped, so they swapped seats. So how do you plead? Second guy said, well, "I plead guilty." Also, he said, "Well, I find you two hundred fifty dollars for speeding plus court costs." And the, the judge, of course, was furious. He said, "Man, what are you doing this? I let you off." He said, "Well, look, this is the second case that's come through here today like this. Somebody's got to do something about all this speeding around here." Look at what Peter said about the rules of verse ten. So why are you now challenging God? See, it, wasn't, it wasn't God's people. It wasn't the apostles. It wasn't the disciples. It wasn't even the church count. Why are you now challenging God by burdening, burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? He's saying, are we really going to do this? Or are we really going to try to say that the Gentiles have to keep all the rules just to get close to God when we can't even keep all the rules ourselves? I mean, Really? And don't we often do that as Christians in the church with the outsiders? What's the old saying about putting lipstick on a pig? You can polish up the outside, but it's not going to change the inside. And so now maybe through all this, we can see a little bit more about why grace really is amazing. Because what could have actually torn the early church completely apart became the very bedrock of the gospel message as we know it today. And that is, it is by the grace of God that we are saved. And it's the only message that will save the lost world. And so that's why, every time we come together to observe the Lord's Supper, as we are about to do, we are reminded that grace. We're reminded of that grace of Jesus that is unstoppable. And the fact that in the grace of Jesus... That every single person in the world has the possibility of a seat at the table where the supper happens. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask one family member from each family group. We'll begin with the outside aisles and then we'll work our way in to come and get enough elements for each person in your family. And then we'll observe the Lord's Supper together. And if you've never used these particular kind of elements, they, they have two seals on them. The top seal, when you remove it, it reveals the wafer. And then when you remove the second seal, it reveals the juice. And so once you receive yours and you're at your seat, then you can carefully begin to take those off. And then we'll all together take the elements together at the end. Before we do that, I want to leave us with the last two verses. Acts 15 verse 30 and 31 messengers went at once to Antioch where they called a general meeting of the believers and delivered the letter. What letter was that? It was a letter that said, we have come to the conclusion that it's by grace and Jesus alone and not plus anything else that you become Christians. And there was great joy throughout the church that day as they read this encouraging message. Unstoppable grace is an encouraging message for us today because none of us deserve what Jesus did on the cross when he died for us and our sins, when he was buried and then when he rose again. That's what we celebrate today as we observe the Lord's Supper. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for your undeserved grace that covers the the multitude of each of our sins. Without your grace, we are doomed. So we come today to remember and to reflect on what Jesus did for us. and It's in his name that we pray. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.